Good, good, good. Well, here's how uh, today's going to go, kind of this morning, is that I want to give you a recap on what we've been talking about, give you a little bit of a, an update on the building piece, and then we're going to dive into week three of our little mini-series we dropped right in the middle, right? We took a break from our Being Jesus series, which is a hundred-part series. Y'all know that? That's crazy, right? Uh, we never do anything right at Bridgeway anyway, so that's fine. A uh, hundred-part series, so we took a break from it, um, and we're just doing this uh, little discussion about how our family runs. We all We want everything to be transparent and open. We want you to know what we know. If we leaders are working on something, we want you to be able to know what it is while it's happening. So a lot of what I'm going to lay out for you is still in process. A lot of what I'm sharing with you is still being designed. But the minute we had anything locked down or anything that we knew for certain, we wanted to make sure to slide it out to you so that you would know what we've been working on behind the scenes for the last year and a half. So I'm going to do that, but let me give you a quick recap. First week was big picture stuff, right? We know that there's more that God wants to do here. We know that there's greater health that needs to be brought here. We know that there are systems that need to be built, that when we grew as a church, we did not have the appropriate infrastructure in place to support that growth. And we ended up having challenges because of that, all right? So we've been trying to repair that, and it's hard to work on a building that you live in and rebuild its foundation stuff, right? So it's been a little bit slow going, a little messy. So as we've been doing that, the first week I laid out to you, here's why we need to make some adjustments and give you a 30,000 foot picture view on what we needed to do. And I, and I told you that everything that we are looking for is that as God is glorified, we, his people, are transformed, right? So if you're going to talk about everything that matters at Bridgeway, are we being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ? That, that's the issue. That's the critical piece. I mean, we can talk about what outreach are we doing and everything. Are his people being transformed that's the key, all right? And, and only the Holy Spirit can do that, right? I mean, it's not like a leader is going to transform you. We're going to set the table for you and Jesus, and y'all need to have dinner. You know what I mean? And then, and then he will transform you. That's, that's the idea. All right, so week two, we talked about uh, our, our mission statement, our core values, uh, and some reorg stuff. What we told you was that we felt that our missional mandate was this. Equipping one another to bring the wholeness of Jesus to a broken world. Y'all remember that? Equipping one another to bring the wholeness of Jesus to a broken world. Well, how exactly are we going to do that? I mean, we know we got five core values. We know why we're doing it. But how are we going to do it? That's this week. Okay, let's talk about strategy this week. Now, next week, I got to give you a little quick sneak peek and talk a little bit about that. Next week is a special week because we are doing a relaunch of our invest campaign. We're going to give you the updates on everything going on with the building that you just saw in that video. What we did is I, I, when I first laid it out to you, I said, hey, if we get in this amount of money, we can do this package. If we get this much money, we can do this. If we get in this much money, we can do that. Well, we ended up opting for the basic house package. All right. Which means that when we presented out to you and said, uh, can we get pledges for four point two million dollars in 60 days in the summer? We understand that was dumb. 
However, God was kind and sweet and he brought that in. That was the basic home package. That was, you can get in. I'm not quite sure there's going to be air conditioning, but you can get in, right? Uh, in order to make it a church home, we have watched those costs continue to rise. Uh, for example, we knew we needed to renovate the warehouse. We knew that it was going to be, uh, we could only use so much of it. And so over there, we said we at least need it to be this size. Uh, we understand that's not where we're going to be forever. We want to build a new sanctuary on the new land. That's, that's where we're really going in the future. But in the interim, while we're not all rich, we are all going to be in another warehouse for a while, right? And we need that warehouse to be at least as large as this. Well, in order to do that, we had to blow out a wall. Now, as a guy, I enjoy blowing out walls anyway, right? So I think that was just a blessing. Uh, we found one wall we could move. And so we grabbed the northern wall and we are moving it out 33 feet in order to make it this size so we at least have similar, right? But when you do that, that's a half million dollar job. Then we had two poles that are right in front of the stage. Okay, you're all, uh, yeah, we're looking at them right now. No, 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 I'm talking about in the new place. We had them and they were actually more aligned in front of the stage. We had to move those, right? I mean, because y'all don't want pillars in front of the stage, right? Well, that's 150 grand. In other words, when we're going through and we're looking and going, okay, how do we make this our home to where it's more doable for us, more church-like? One of the other things was um, we laid out a plan to try to move as little as possible because we didn't have all the funding come in. So we, we were trying to do it as cheap as possible. We laid out a plan where all the little kids were at the bottom floor and all the elementary kids were at the top floor. And then we showed that to the moms. And we were frowned upon. And they said... Please tell me I'm not going to try to keep all my kids in tow and run upstairs and downstairs and upstairs and downstairs to get my kids in. And we thought, what? No, come on. No, I don't, you must have looked at it wrong. No, you looked at it right. So what we did is we went to a company called Visioneering and uh, they, uh, guys for, that used to work for Disney, now they create churches and they did a redesign for us and it got all the children on the bottom level right now we're having some issues about fireproofing uh for all that but as we're working that out and we'll tell you all that next week when we did the redesign we got all the kids on the bottom floor that's awesome however that's expensive so what ends up happening is that we have watched through saying there's some uh you know additional financing we can get for some of the pieces but really what we ultimately are going to lay out for you next week is that we need about 1.5 million to make it right, to make it look like our home church. Now, that's not everything we want. It's just we can make it beautiful. We can make it uh, working and we can make it a church. All right. So we're going to lay that out with you. And it's um, we when we first talked about the 4.2 million that we pledged, not everybody was able to fulfill their pledges. We get that. Uh, normal stats, we were above the normal stats. Uh, above the normal, we, we brought in 77% of pledges, which was awesome. And if we continue on that, we'll end up with 3.7. Well, obviously that's lower. That's where the 1.5 million and all those things we need to do come from. So I will lay all that out. The reason why I'm telling you it now 
is because this week I sent you a letter and I sent you some pledge cards. I hope everybody got those because we actually have some folks that will hand out the pledge cards to you. Do, is everybody ready to hand out the pledge cards? Have we got those? All right. If you did not get one of those, you have to raise your hand. Otherwise, next week you're going to feel like you missed out because you don't have a card. Anybody not get a card? Anybody not get a card? All right. Keep your hands up. We got folks coming down the aisle. Keep your hands up until you get one. Here's why. On that card that I mailed to your home, and if you didn't get one, that means somehow your name was raptured from our database. Okay, I don't know why. You can say, well, that's because I was righteous. Whatever you want to call it, all I'm saying is we don't have it, okay? Uh, I don't know how it didn't get to you, but on that card, it, we all have to check box one. Box one says, I'm praying for this. Okay, we have to be praying for this. If you're praying against this, this might not be the church for you, right? Uh, Let's check box one. We're praying for what's going on. And it also says, hey, this was my pledge that I'm still fulfilling. I'm going to hang in with that or I feel like I need to adjust it. And then all of you that were not here when we launched it, you could say, man, I didn't even get to get in on that. I'd love to be a part of it. All right. Now, 1.5 million sounds like a lot. However, we are indeed a larger church, and so it is very doable. So we'll get all that to you next week, but we're going to bring our cards. I want everyone to bring your card, everyone to bring your card next week. We're going to take our loaves and fishes, and we're going to hand it over to Jesus and say, Lord, what do you want to do? You multiply. He will then do his amazing, glorious, miraculous work. And we will find out what the result is and we'll be able to tell you that afterwards. Okay, everybody clear on that piece? All right, one last thing. What you can do in the meantime is join in on the move team out in the lobby. You can join in on the call team. We still need some folks for the call team that can just get on the phone and let everybody know what's going on. All right, so if you are interested in that, please, by all means, uh, sign up in the lobby. All right, I think that is everything. So let's go ahead and transition into our time today. Would you take out your Bibles? We are going to be in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Acts chapter 2. We are still kind of in our bottom line Christianity, right? Where uh, I understand that every time any church talks about, hey, how should we be operating? We always go to Acts chapter 2. I get that. If you have been in church for a long time, let me just apologize. You already know this passage. I get it. Uh, however, we're going to try to see what God has for us as Bridgeway through this passage. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. I think you have heard me say before that I believe that Pentecost, and I believe that Acts 2 is the foundation of where we should grow from. In other words, a lot of folks see that as the pinnacle of Christianity. It is not. It was the infancy that not just are we to be at that level, but God has more for us. In other words, that we were just jumping from there, right? But unfortunately for us, we're still maturing just to get up to baby level, okay? So we still have some areas to grow where we need to get to baby level, and then we can grow, obviously, from there. So let's take a look at that. But as we do that, let me uh, make two points and see if you agree with me. Uh, First one, church isn't something you do, it's something you live. Can we agree with that? Church isn't something you do. It's something you live. How about this one? Church isn't somewhere you go. It's something you are. Yeah? 
Church isn't somewhere you go. You don't go to church. You are the church, right? So if we all get up and we move over to another building, the church moved. It's not that the building moved. It's not that the walls moved. When Paul said, I ravaged and persecuted the church, he wasn't attacking sheetrock. Do you understand what I mean? Is that he was going after people. And so when it says in Revelation, listen to what the Spirit says to the churches, he's not talking to buildings. He's talking to people. So we are, as Peter said, living stones being knit together to become a spiritual house for God, right? All right, so we are all the living stones that God is using to build the church. What does the church need to look like at least? What is the bottom line of what the church needs to look like? And that is found here in Acts chapter 2. It is right after Pentecost. Y'all remember Pentecost, right? That was that was like crazy day. That was Holy Spirit comes screaming in, loud noise, tongues of fire, boom, hits everybody. They're speaking in tongues. They pour out. God calls a crowd in. Peter then preaches the gospel. It was actually kind of a mean sermon. <laughs> it was not seeker sensitive. It was, uh, hey, you killed Jesus. You're all going to hell and you need to change, right? Well, when he did that, the Holy Spirit moved on the crowd. It says that a whole bunch of people got saved. That's where we pick up the story. All right. So Acts chapter two, verse 41 says this. So those who received his word were baptized added to the church, became uh, visible members of the church. And, they were, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. That's a lot. The church used to be 120. It's now 3,120 in one day. So the rest of the book of Acts is them trying to scramble to put infrastructure in place, going, how in the world are we supposed to work with all these people? All right? Then it says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Now, Who's not excited about a church like that, right? I mean, they didn't, isn't that, wouldn't it be cool, right? Let's just picture what it would look like modern day. You come to Bridgeway and every time you come to church, you have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, you come to church with this, this expectation of, man, God may rock my world today, right? Uh, I, what I don't like is the idea of, yeah, I'm going to go to church. Well, what's going to happen? Well, it's going to be the same song. It's going to be the same this. And he's probably going to preach a message and then blah, blah, blah. And then there's no excitement. I, I would rather you have an environment here where you go, I am currently addicted to something and I don't know if God's going to break the chains and set me free today because he does that kind of stuff, right? I mean, I would love for the awe to be up and the expectation to be up that at any moment the Holy Spirit decides to go, you know, now we're doing this, now we're doing this, now we're doing this, and you, you now walk, you now see, you now, right? I mean, I would love to be in an environment where we are preaching the word and while we're preaching the word, people are getting radically saved. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, you go, well, that's, Lance, that's a revival. No, I think that's church. 
You know what I mean? All right. So what we're trying to do is make this more normal. What we're trying to do is say, how do we, how do we align with God? How do we do what God desires that he might do what he desires here? You know what I'm saying? It, it, we're just trying to do alignment. So what does it look like? What did they do and how can we copy them? So let's dive into this. First of all, they baptize a whole bunch of people. Now, the only way you're going to baptize new believers is if there's new believers. I, am I going too fast? <laughs> now, nobody, nobody's going to be a new believer. It says, how in the world are they going to get saved unless they hear the word? Now, if the gospel is not being displayed, nobody gets to hear it. So are we a church that displays the gospel? Yes, actually we are. Um, now we're displaying it within the walls. Are you displaying it outside the walls? You understand what I'm saying? I mean, do you know the gospel well enough to where you can go out there and tell those that are lost and dying that there is hope for them? Can you, can you tell them that Jesus loves them to such a degree that he would die on the cross for them? Because that's what our job is to do. Uh, they're out there all alone. And they do not have connection with God. Um, that should break your heart. So how do we get out there and tell them the gospel, right? That's, that's what we need to grow in. All right. And it says they, add, they grew as a church. 3,000 people were added in one day. Now, um, I'm not into church growth for church growth's sake. Uh, I'm not interested in trying to put in slick packaging and strategic movements in order to grow the church. Because quite frankly, that doesn't impress me. Uh, I can grow the church overnight by thousands of people. I have the formula on how to do that in numbers. But if it's not true transformation, if it's not Jesus-led, if it's not Holy Spirit movement, if it's not, I don't care. Uh, I don't want just more. What I want is right. Amen? All right, now, but we all also realize that healthy organisms grow. If this church never grows and everyone goes, man, I never want to go to Bridgeway, something's wrong. Can we agree on that? I mean, so uh, church growth either is a natural process or it's not. And the natural process is, hey, I'm excited about what God's doing with all my friends and family. Do you want to come? So, of course, church grows. It has to grow. That's kind of the way they go. Well, that's what happened there. But notice how they operated. And this is critical. It says they devoted themselves to four things. I had to look up the word devoted because I'm a Bible nerd. And it says it means committed, promised, disciplined to follow. Committed. Let's talk about that word. They committed themselves to four things. Let me ask you a question. Why do you need to commit yourself to something? Because if you don't, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, that's why you commit yourself to something. Can we all agree with that? How many of you have ever said, Lord, I commit that I will continue to eat dessert? Have any of you ever made that commitment? You understand what I'm saying? Where, I mean, you were serious about your spirit. You know what I'm saying? Where you're like, Lord, yes, another day I will eat dessert. Okay, no one ever commits that. Why? Because it's real likely you're going to eat dessert. You don't have to commit to it because it's natural to you. None of us go, man, totally commit to breathing like every day. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, you are because you're going to keep breathing. So commitment is required where it's maybe ups and downs are going to happen and you may not stick with it, right? All right, so they committed to four things. What did they commit to? Uh, number one, the teaching. They committed to the teaching of the word. 
All right. This is absolutely critical. We believe that we are anchored in the word. We believe to be, we are called to be scripture soaked, that we are locked in, that we know God's word backwards and forwards. That's, that's kind of how it has to go, but you're not going to do that unless you do the study and and you don't want to do the study. I I get that. You don't want to do the study. I mean, me, I'm obsessed with scripture. And once I get rolling, dude, I can do it all night long problem is before I get started, I don't want to get started. Okay. When I'm at home and I'm burnt out and I'm tired, the last thing I want to do is go, Hey, let's do a little bit of Bible reading. No, I want to watch TV. I don't want to read the Bible, right? Because it's the same reason about when you go to church. This is super funny. You you're at home and you're like, Hey guys, you want to go to church? You're like, no, I don't really want to go to church. And then you get to church. You're super blessed. You're like, man, I'm so glad I came today. Why do we go through that every week? (laughs) At some point we should probably pick up on the pattern, right? (laughs) But we don't want to get started because an object at rest tends to stay at rest. You know what I mean? Okay. So we have to commit to it. We have to devote to it. So we devote to the teachings of God. We devote to learning and study because we need to know the one that we serve and what he desires. Yeah. Amen. All right. So then we also devote to fellowship. Fellowship is different. Fellowship is a deeper form of friendship. It means that as believers, when we hang out, fellowship means we're involving God into the process and we're seeking to bless one another and leave you better than when you came. So if we're going to hang out, and even if we go see a movie, afterwards when we're talking, we check in on each other, we make sure we're all right. Hey, dude, you got anything I can pray for you about? That's fellowship. It's deeper than friendship. All right? So is that natural? No, it's not. That's why you have to commit to it. All right? And then we commit also to the breaking of bread. I think this means communion. Communion means that you take time to remember what Jesus did. Sometimes we get off in our little theological fancies and we are arguing about stupid stuff And sometimes we need to get back to the basics and the basics are jesus christ died for me Therefore I am free, right? I mean we need to remember the core And it's hard to remember that we can get off on all theological debates and arguments and why the church splits so many times And we got to get back to the basics. Wait, what's the bottom line? Oh, the bottom line is we're all sinners in need of God and Jesus Christ made a way, right? That, that's what we should focus on. Okay. And then they committed to prayers. Yesterday, I was praying before church and I fell asleep. Okay. Now, I could have made that spiritual. Like, Paul, I fell into a trance. No, you didn't. You just fell asleep, dude. Okay. I was drifting within nanoseconds of starting. Lord God, hear my cry. (laughs) And he's like, no, I don't need to hear that. I'm good. Thank you, though. Okay, once again, sometimes prayer is easy and it's light and it's fun and you're talking with God and you're driving in the car doing hands-free prayer. You know what I'm talking about? And sometimes there's travailing in prayer. Sometimes there's earnest prayer. Sometimes you don't want to pray. Sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes you're praying about stuff you don't want to pray about. Sometimes it feels like God is a million miles away. When that is the case, it's hard to pray. If you don't commit to prayer, you're not going to keep praying. So they had to dedicate themselves to these things. When they altered their lifestyle and they committed to things, different things began to happen. 
I think a lot of us, we wait out revival. We don't believe there's anything we need to do. We just wait for it. I'm not so sure that's right. I think that there's some preparation in the hearts of people that needs to happen before revival hits. Yeah? All right, that's a whole different message. Here we go. It says, and in the early church, awe struck everybody. Why? Because signs and wonders were being done by the apostles. What, what was shockingly odd in the Old Testament became radically normal in the New Testament. And all of a sudden, everybody has awe. We need a bunch more awe in this room. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we need awe because once again, there's the expectation that at any moment, God can make the lame to walk and the blind to see. It means that there's an awe that if God needs to get something done, he can get something done. And I would love for all of us to have a little bit of nervousness coming to church. You know what I mean? (laughs) Where you kind of go, man, uh, I think he can radically change my life today. I think maybe I can be more free. Maybe I can be more uh, encouraged. Maybe I can be more strengthened that I'm going to go meet God. I'm not just going to listen to a guy talk. You know what I mean? I think that's what church should be. All right, let's keep moving. It says, and together they had everything in common. I think it means that they were less selfish, that they were all about each other and they knew what each other needed. It says they would constantly go on temple runs, which was they would go out and evangelize in the culture together and they would be salt and light in the world. It says that they had time in their homes together. Um, Have you ever had anyone from church in your home? If not, why not? Uh, Because you understand that your home is, is personal space. And if there's a wall that you refuse to let anyone into your personal space, we have a relational block. You're going to go, yeah, but my house isn't pretty enough, or my house isn't big enough, or my house isn't, well, because I'm a hoarder, (laughs) right? Here's my encouragement to you. Welcome to the group. (laughs) You know what? Here's what we're going to do when we come to your little hoarding house. We, We will walk around the stacks, and we'll hang out with you. You understand what I'm saying? I know that's important right there. I'm going to keep going around it. And I'll go sit on the chair when I lift up the cat and everything else, and I'll move it over, and I will sit there and hang out with you. All right? Okay. It says, and they were joyful and thankful in their heart, praising God. I hope that we're a happy church. What I hope is that we are not always angry about something, always upset about uh, the whole country's going to hell and politics and blah, blah, blah. I hope that we're not the dour, angry Christians. Man, I hope that God has sufficiently done a work in your life to where there's something to be happy about. You know what I mean? And I think that here's my rule for me. I take God super seriously. I do not take me seriously. Okay, that's why I'm always up here, you know, self-deprecating humor. I'm always screwing around because I don't think I'm that big of a deal. I think that God's a huge deal. So when we get into God, I'm super serious. When we get off of God, I'm not serious at all, right? There ain't no point. All right. So if that is how the church should go, how much are we like that? Well, I I think that there's areas of growth that we need to work on. So in my opinion, there's some adjustments that need to be made. Let me tell you how I think we're going to do that. We need to create spaces in our lives, in our calendars to grow. We need to give God some room for him to move. You cannot just go on about your life as the way it is going right now and expect true change. There needs to be some areas where God has some freedom 
to alter you. All right. That's one of the reasons why you are here. So opportunities to grow. Here's areas. I think we have three areas we need to focus on to grow as a church. Here we go. First one connection is family. Do y'all agree with me? We don't know each other very well. We need to know each other better. All right, cool. Number two, intentional equipping. We are equipping you all the time. It's just rather haphazard. We would like to get a little bit more organized about it. Number three, purposeful outreach into our community and the world. Can you agree with those three? I don't think that's rocket science. I think that's pretty basic. I think that we'd be more like the Acts church, the baby church, if we would do these three things. We believe that we have a strategy that will knock down all three of them. Okay? So this is what I'm going to roll out to you. Where do we go to become someone different in Jesus? We know that you don't have every day open to hang out with us. We get that. You got a day job. You got a bunch of stuff. You will probably give us two or three days a week if you altered your schedule. So as you carve out and say, God, I want to make places for you. I want to make spaces for transformation. We believe that we are calling all of us to two primary commitments, two primary spaces to grow. Number one is this where you're at right now. Worship gatherings. We are asking you to commit to this. You're like, Lance, we're right here. We get it. Okay, hold on. Hi, everyone that's that's not here right now. You're all on live stream. Good to see you. Uh, I think it's awesome you're on live stream. However, you're not here with us, and some of you can't be. I get that. That's why we have live stream. And God bless you. But if you can get here, I want you to get here. All right? So here's the thing. The average attendance of church in the nation of America right now is you go to church every third to fifth week. That is the average. Now, I don't want that here. Uh, now, would we be able to fit everybody if they all came? No, let us have a problem with that. What I'm saying is you commit to be here. Some of us get up on the weekend and we say, are we going to church? I want to flip that. I want it to be, of course we're going to church unless something massively significant stops us. We will always be at the worship gathering. Amen? Amen. All right. We got to commit to this stuff because if we don't commit to it, it's not natural to us. We will always have something come up. We will always have games or this or that. We need to make sure that we are here. Why? Because you're being trained at all times. You're being equipped so that you don't feel like you're on empty. You need to fill up for your week. You need to be able to be around us so we can stimulate your thinking into Christ and not being ripped off by the world. You need to get the lies of the enemy replaced by the truth of Christ. That's why we're here. So if we're not here consistently, if you miss a week, you miss a lot. You know what I mean? All right, so we gotta commit to being here. There's an engine that makes this thing run called serve teams. Do you realize how many bodies, how many hours go behind every service? Hundreds of hours go on to put on every service. There are kids way volunteers that are back there. There's youth workers. There's people uh, working on the video and the audio. There's folks that are running hospitality. There's greeters. There's campus guides. There's, there's just hundreds of people making this happen right now. You have to get involved in that. Why? Because it's not going to run without you. I know it looks like it will. I know that for the last couple of years, you've been able to just attend and then go home, but someone's doing it. 
And until you're doing it, you're not going to take it personally. I want you to know that the church only runs because of you. I want you to know that we can only do what we do because of you. So I want you involved in that. So we're committed to that. The second thing, and this is the big reveal and what we'll spend the rest of our time on, is the idea that we are going to launch what we call missional communities. They are a, uh, an adjusted version of what you would remember as small groups. Right. And, and they are not small groups. There's a couple of things that are a little different from them, but that's the idea. We are going to launch out the ministry of missional communities into this church. Now, let me just take a moment to brag on Pastor Jason. Pastor Jason Stewart came to us a couple of years ago and his whole heart was this. How do we become purposeful equippers of one another to get out there and do something for Jesus? I mean, his heart burns with that. He wanted to do it from day one. But when he came in, we had so much infrastructure challenge. We said, hey, Jay, can you hold on a second? Can you hold on a second? Can you hold on a second? And we had him do everything else but this. And yet along the way, as a team, we tried to support him and morph this to where we can finally bring it to you. But man, this is what he loves to do. And he has brought in some tremendous structure and some tremendous exciting options for us to do. And so I'm going to lay out a lot of stuff he's been working on and that the team's been working on with him. All right. So missional communities is what I'm talking about. It has three primary purposes of a missional community. Number one, family, church connection and belonging. This is the place where you get out of the big, huge services and you get together and you act like family. We are not getting together enough and we need to. Unless you make time for it, it's not going to happen. So we need you to be in smaller gatherings. We're going to call them missional communities. Number two, life on life discipleship. A lot of Christianity needs to be imitated. It's not just information transfer. We actually need to be with one another, right? Number three, a missional purpose. In other words, reaching out as a family together on mission. I know that everyone here is very clear that we need to be out sharing the gospel. We need to be out into our community. But for most of us, we're scared out of our minds. That's why we're not doing it. And then we carry a lot of guilt about it. What if you did it with me? What if you weren't alone? What if we purposely, as a team, as a little baby version of the family, what if we all hung out together and we did outreach together? Wouldn't that be a lot less scary? And now all of a sudden you go, man, I'm part of a team. There's something I can do. I feel like I'm bringing transformation into the world. I'm interested in bringing the kingdom advancement, right? You can do it with us. You don't have to do it all by yourself. This is what we're talking about. So here's how they work. They are led by leaders that we are going to referred to as spiritual parents. Why? Because we don't just want a leader that's going to give you a book. We want people that are going to watch over you. So our leaders that we are training, we are going to uh, refer to as spiritual parents. Um, and what that means is you come in as a shepherd, that you are watching over a group and you're not just going, hey, did everybody get your Bible study done? You're looking in and going, hey, how's your marriage doing? You all right? Hey, where are you at? It's, it's almost like a little mini pastoring thing, right? Where you're looking at your group and you know when someone's missing and you're going, man, are you okay? Anything we can do for you? Or man, there's needs in my group or so-and-so is absolutely equipped to be a leader. I can't wait to get them moving. You're watching over people. That's what we desire. 
to run these. These are medium-sized groups. That's why they're not called small groups. They're medium-sized groups, and they're open. They're never closed. One of the problems that we've had is that over the last year and a half, there's not been one small group open to anyone coming into the church. I think it's messed up that a church has no opportunity to be in a small group for a year and a half. Doesn't that sound odd? Okay, and it's not that the small groups didn't want, it's that they were at max capacity and they had no other way to do it. So we have a lot of great small groups, but they're small groups. They're not open. So these are open, fluid for people to come in. This is where you're inviting your neighbors in. Why? Because the whole structure and design of it is to create connection more than information transfer. All right. So let me tell you what I mean. I mean that you hang out together. You have a light meal together. You're praying together. You're talking about the day. It's lighter on content, heavy on connection. It's role modeling daily patterns of life and interacting as a body and as a family. It bakes in more identity training than information transfer. All right. If that's the case, then who can come to it? Anyone can come to it because it's all welcoming them in and saying, Hey, come hang out with us for a night. I think that's great. Now, the other thing is that periodically on a healthy pattern, that whole herd or group or whatever you want to call them, missional community, we all go out together and go do something to bless the community. That means that we all get to and gather in together, lock arms and go, let's go change something. Let's go bring about change into the community, right? So that's what a missional community is. Now, in order to get those things running, we also have to have an engine that keeps them running. And that's discipleship groups. You're like, wait, hold on. There's too many terms. I get it. I get it. Missional communities, while you have folks that are watching over their group, they're going to notice certain leaders rising up in their group. You take them aside and you go, hey, can we hang out? I want to make sure that you're fully equipped because I think you can go lead one of these. I don't think you need to be learning from me forever. I would love to fire you up and get you out there. That's a discipleship group. They're little. They're about three to six people, right? And you gather together and we have two sides. There's the organic side where you're just hanging out and somebody has your cell phone number and you're checking in on them and you're living life with them, right? But then there's an organized piece to it. The organized piece is that we as leaders behind the scenes boiled Christianity down to 10 critical concepts that we said, this is the heart of what we want to be a Bridgeway disciple of Christ. We broke those into 10 intervals and we lead you through those. We give you practical tools. We give you hardcore Bible study. We give you all kinds of stuff and we load you full of the excitement of God and then release you to go lead. Now, does that sound exciting? Amen. So this is what we've been working on so much. And the idea of those intervals are stuff like prayer, right? That's kind of important, I think. Uh, Prayer, uh, scripture-soaked life, continuous transformation, how to train disciples. This is what we're training you up with. All this stuff, we're training you up so that you can get out there and go do what you need to do. I think it's far more purposeful than hoping it happens along the way. All right. Do you realize that Bridgeway Young Adults, Edge, Fuel, Kidsway, they already lead us in this area. They already do small groups. They already do missional communities. They're already tracking on this model way before the adults. We actually just have to catch up with them. They have midweek. Do you have midweek? Right? 
We, we don't as adults. We drive them to midweek, but do we have a midweek? No. And what happens is they stay more fired up because they're constantly being inputted into. We need a midweek. We need something to join in on. All right. Okay. And then last things that is, I, I kind of close out for you. We realize that just having these worship gatherings and just having missional communities is not going to cover all our bases. We get that. S- spiritual parents and leaders, you can't do everything. You need a lot of support. You need leadership development. You need people hanging out with you. You need people investing in you. You need people loving on you, right? And you need a lot of resources out there to go, man, I don't have time. I'm not a therapist. I got someone in my group and they're looking at me going, man, dude, I need more meds. You're like, I can't help you there. I don't know what to do. And then you got somebody that's going, man, can you tell me everything about the Bible? You're like, no, I can't. I'm not a seminary. I'm not a college, right? And so we know that you need some support. So we have put in two other major ministries on our focus. Number one is equip, uh, uh, connecting. Remember I told you last time we were together, Brian Kiley has been moved over into our connections director. Why? Because in order to get all of us connected and to get us into the right places, we need some folks that are just focused on that. Their whole goal is getting every single one of you plugged into where you need to be. We have needed that ministry powerfully invested in for a long time, and now we're doing it. Brian Kiley is going to lead the charge. He's along with Tracy Benda. She's helping shape a lot of the things. We're putting all that together and we're going to make sure that you know when the newcomers dinners are and how to meet the leaders and how to plug in and, and well, what kind of information do you need to know? And, and how do you get the DNA of Bridgeway kind of in your life? And all that is them. So we'll get you where you need to go. But then what about support resources? We're going to call those equipping ministries. All right. Equipping ministries have two sides to it. Repairing our hearts and preparing our hearts. You understand what I'm saying? Repairing our hearts is what Pastor Parnell is watching over. Our care and compassion ministries. In other words, like our soul care, that they are our counseling wing where they're saying, listen, we're all broken, but there's some of us that are broken in a way that it's hard to even do life. When that hits you, we want to make sure you have somewhere to go that will get you up and running back to where you need to be and then let you fly. It's not where you're going to live. It's where you're going to get repaired. So we have ministries like that that train you up and missions work and, and saying, man, what about this? And what about outreach? And what about, I mean, we have so many different ministries that are trying to get you healthy and whole. And then we have training ministries. Training ministries are classes. Do we still do classes? Yeah, but they're going to be more purposeful. A class is a limited thing. You don't live in a class. You go to a class and then you get right back out and do what you're called to do, right? So we're going to have classes. We're going to have classes that are live, classes that are rotating around the year. Let's say you're a brand new believer and you're like, I'm totally lost. Well, we need a class for you to help you get walking. Let's say that you need to know a little bit about how to pray. Well, we might have a class for you. But then there's some things that you don't need all the time. They're very niche. We're going to put those online so you can access them at any time that you want. Let's say that you go, man, I need to understand the Old Testament. Okay, well, we can do that in a class, but we're not going to always talk about that, right? 
Some of you need that more than others of you. Some of you go, man, I don't even understand this whole idea of, of, of really what Jesus did on the cross. If you want to dig into it, we need to do that in the class. So we're going to get the right people to teach the right classes and record those and make sure those are online for you. All right, what's the point? The point is we're becoming very purposeful in how we train. We're becoming very purposeful so that you at all times know what do I need, how do I get it, and how do I then launch and go use it, right? That's what we need. So we're putting a lot of that in place. Let me tell you what the leadership next steps are. We have a goal internally that we are utilizing in our hearts, and this is our goal, to become a multiplying movement of gospel-centered transformative communities. It sounds lofty, I know, but it's really how we feel. So what we are doing is raising up leaders. We're training leaders right now. Now we call them spiritual parents because it's fun, but y'all understand what I'm talking about. We have over 100 spiritual parents being trained right now. They are being equipped. They're being locked and loaded. They're being given in a fast track everything they need to do to go love on you. The other thing is we have to finish our designs. There's a lot of stuff we're still designing. We're still getting it figured out. We're still getting it locked down, but I want you to know what we're working on. Okay? So we close with this. What do you do? What do you do now? Number one, some of you are called to lead right now. It's kind of just out of water. You know you've been gifted to lead. You know you have the ability to lead. You know that you have the experience to lead. But you need to lead like Bridgeway. You need to lead in a manner that we can stamp an approval. And so we need to get you trained. We need to get you trained now. We need you to step up. A lot of you have been kind of healing and restoring and kicking back for a little while. We're going to need you to step up. All right. Now, if you're not, if you're not healthy, by all means, chill out, let God minister to you. But if you're healthy enough, we need you on, we need you to get rolling. We'll train you. We just need to, you to be a part of that process. Okay. So some need to lead now the rest of you that are going, yeah, that scares the living daylights out of me. You don't want to do that. You go, what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to serve with us. You're supposed to walk alongside us. You go, well, where am I supposed to serve? I don't even care. I would love for you to serve in your gifting. I would love for you to serve where you think it's fun. I would love for you to serve where you feel like you can make a difference, but you got to serve. Why? Because you're not integrated in the church yet. You're still visiting. You're still attending and not a part of it. So what I need you to do is find an area and that you scratch and claw. You get into that area and you own this place. You make sure that you're comfortable walking the halls. You make sure that you know a bunch of people. You make sure you know all the different leaders. You make sure you know what's going on. And you dig in and you help out. Because until you do, you will not take this place as personally. I want you to feel about this church like I feel about this church. If anything happens to this church, I go ballistic. I want you to feel that way. I want you to, to realize everybody here is your family. And if anything or anyone touches your family, oh, it's personal. So I want us to get plugged in. I want us to get connected. All right. We're going to get to you in the coming weeks about areas that you can get connected in. But I want you to pray about it and say, God, there's some areas I might like, but where do you want me?
Where do you want me, Lord? Where can I serve? All right. Everybody good with this? Yeah. Yeah, All right. Woo. Man, we will get you all the other details in the coming weeks and months to be able to let you know exactly all the insides and outsides of what we're doing. But I think that I just needed to give you a little bit of a snippet. Uh, I will also post all my notes online so you can always take a look at those. Uh, but let's just close this in prayer. I'll invite up the prayer team so that you can pray with anyone that has need. All right. So if you have anything, remember, we got to come into church with expectation. God may want to do something in a mighty way. And he's going to probably do that through prayer. I don't know why, but he just tends to do it that way. So why don't you go ahead and uh, after we pray, if you have a need, come on up with the prayer team. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. You are great and mighty and good. We're trying to chase after you, Holy Spirit, and do what you want to do. We're trying to figure out how we act as a family, how we utilize your authority and power, how we, Lord, how we kind of grow in your word and how we become like you, Jesus. Lord, this world needs a lot more of you. That's for sure. And Lord, I think that we have thousands and thousands of them here that look a lot like you. God, would you show us how to partner together strategically so we can get out there and do something about it? Lord, the world is dying, and I know that that hurts your heart. You said, Jesus, pray to the Father that he would raise up leaders or laborers for the harvest. So we're praying about that right now. God, what do you want us to do? Because we already say yes, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful week.